Hey, welcome to the 147th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patrons Paul Kim, Sara M. Bimji, and Lior Shemish. I'm Oren Kaplan. And I'm Matt Enlow. Today we are connecting from Russia. I am on my job where I'm making those cat food commercials in Russia, so I'm recording from my hotel room as we speak. It's at 11 o'clock my time. It's dark out. It's snowy. It's literally 8 degrees outside. And, and it's Warren, noon it, my time. And yeah. it is noon. It's freezing cold here, too. It's like 67 degrees right now. Let's uh, let's hop into it. I think this is a fun opportunity for us to talk about travel shoots and just kind of the weird, small little things that change when you go to a new place that's uh, unfamiliar to you. And, you know, hopefully we can impart some tips and tricks and just uh, general experience about shooting in a different place, whether that's a town away or halfway across the world. Right. And I have to give a quick disclaimer. I'm probably going to make a lot of bad jokes about Russia during this episode uh, based on almost zero knowledge of the country or the people. So I apologize in advance. But so with that, I want to say it's cool that we are doing this episode because I feel like usually we're a little cagey with the details of our shoots because we don't want to get in trouble from the productions we're working with. A little KGB even. <laughs> yes. Good one. Beat you to the punch there. Good one, Orin. But now because you're working in Russia and everything is censored by the government, they can probably not listen to this podcast <laughs> and uh, you can just spill all the beans and give us all your true complaints about the shoot. <laughs> well, I don't know. So uh, we haven't <laughs> shot yet. We're, it's two different spots. So one for one brand and one for another. And so I've had one of my pre-production meetings the next one is tomorrow in a couple hours, actually. So Oh, cool. But before uh, we get into that, yeah. I'm wondering, uh, I heard that for them, the name of our podcast is just how you solve the problem with anyone you don't like. <laughs> um, I don't think that's how it works. Um, everyone has been like uh, excited to talk to Americans and curious and like uh, open-minded. And most people's English is astonishingly good. Like there are English menus at most restaurants, you know, it, there's at least one waiter at most places that can speak English, at least communicate with you enough to like get through a, a you know. To extract some top secret information. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. And what's your experience with like political stuff? Are they bringing it up at all? Uh, no, your opinion? no, no, no. And it's funny. There is there was one moment when I was in um, one of the cat's hotel rooms. Yes, I said, because there are two hotel rooms filled with cats, because this is a cat food commercial. For the they're cat all... actors on your shoot. Exactly. It's not um, weird. They're on, They're working, okay? The, yeah, sure. That's it's not true. just a room of cats. And uh, I was talking to the cat trainer, and her TV was on, and Trump was giving a speech about the shutdown, basically. And um, I kind of, like, my attention was averted, and because I, I haven't been following things as closely as I'd like. So that was kind of a small opportunity for them to kind of like see how I felt in no terms were they like what do you think of your president but they were I could tell they were curious about my attitude towards him basically well let's get into it how what's what's the experience how many days are you shooting we're shooting two days and how many um, spots two spots well two spots plus one little five second tag so really yeah one per day we have two act uh, two human actors and two different breeds of cats so i have four cats for one spot all of which basically stunt double for each other and then three cats for the other spot well, again which stunt double for each other and what do you um, mean by stunt double for each other 
basically because oh, you can only in, use them for a few hours you can only use them for a few hours and they're like if one doesn't cooperate i can't you know convince the cat to cooperate beyond a certain point you know there's only so many things you can do to try to get it to right. you can only do the trick so many mice yeah i mean honestly we did there's a moment where we need the cat to kind of stalk you know to kind of like crouch down and you know as though it's about to pounce on something mm -hmm. and um per the trainer's advice we bought a bird like a small <laughs> bird to like catch the attention of the cat in case we can't get it to pay attention because of you know um through like any other sort of sort of form we'll have a bird in a cage that it will like hear and like pay attention to basically cool. and in russia they sell birds at like toys r us so it's not a big deal yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean we're in we're in moscow also so it's like um very metropolitan it's kind of like everything is weirdly high class here. Like, right. The, I saw the, the arcade machines you posted on Instagram. <laughs> it looked really, really modern. Oren's referring to, I went to the Soviet uh, arcade, like museum? a vintage arcade museum. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's the closest they have to a barcade basically. But what's incredible about them is that they're all so Soviet era arcade machines. So they're all very old and crappy or they seem very old and crappy. They seem like, if Pong was at a arcade, uh, at an arcade, and they were on machines, but they're all from like the late '80s, early '90s. So we were all playing Super Nintendo, and like you know Mario and stuff. And these games are—they seem ancient, and like they're manufactured with the same sort of aesthetic as like a bulldozer you know <laughs> right. they're very clunky yeah um, anyway you're shooting two and a half spots over the course of two days with all these cats um and then are you shooting on a sound stage we're shooting on a sound stage it's a full set build what's the set so we are building a set that's basically a kitchen and a big loft style like living room with a fireplace and a balcony and a set of stairs and then another bedroom that's an apartment basically and are you allowed to have that fire lit yes Yes. Like not without any fire marshals or any of that stuff? Or? You know, I have it, it. What's fascinating about this shoot is that normally when you're in a meeting with a bunch of producers and something comes up, there'll be a moment where they kind of maybe don't necessarily want to have a conversation in front of you where they would kind of sidebar or like they talk about it later or maybe they email each other or something like that. Or sometimes they'll just have it in front of you and then you kind of like interject your two cents and they wish that they hadn't said anything in front of you. You know, we've all had those moments where, right. you know, there's just logistics to talk through. In my case, those conversations happen right in front of me in Russian and I don't know what they're saying. Yeah, I've actually, oddly enough in my life, I've had a lot of that um, interaction where people are sp speaking like a different language next to you. My father, he lives in Israel and he just like speaks is way more comfortable speaking Hebrew. So whenever he's with me, he's always speaking Hebrew and I'm always like answering him in English so that everyone around me doesn't think I'm talking, we're talking about them. I mean, he'll usually just say like, how much tip should I leave? Zero? <laughs> um, <laughs> something like that. Not something private at all. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I totally get it. And I have to like, I feel like I've spent many years of my life telling people like, don't, don't be offended by the fact that we're speaking another language next to you. Right, right. Um, but I'm sure it's hard, especially... It's when they are looking at you and laughing and pointing. <laughs> yeah, sure. Which, look, I've grown up with that my whole life. But no, seriously, it's more that, you know, you're tracking things. And I have a translator with me. And so, 
you know, people are pretty good about um, kind of catching me up to speed when, you know, maybe something, a conversation has gone off the rails. And there's different levels of English uh, ability in the group, you know. So a lot of my team is, like I mentioned before, pretty darn competent. Um, right. My and do you trust course, your translator? Do you... Um... Mm -hmm, I do, yeah. She is also my first AD, so she is intimately aware of the... Um, mechanics of the mechanics production. and things. So I think she will fill in some gaps. I think like there will be times where she will, my response will be something short and then she'll respond with something longer than what I just said. But from what I can tell, it's more just kind of, you know, filling in gaps here and there. It's a unique situation for sure. But what's maybe a challenge about it is that for every one of those conversations where a producer would rather not have it in front of me, you know, one in five of them, it's actually really handy for me to be there because I can, you know, help uh, alleviate some questions or or maybe like circumvent some something that maybe is harder than it needs to be. You know, so for instance, there was one conversation in the middle of a marathon meeting. We uh, I've been in a lot of meetings because there's a lot of different mouths to feed on these jobs and it's two separate sets of agency producers. So it's a, just a oh, lot, one you know, for each commercial, one for each commercial, which is because they're two different brands. So oh. whereas normally you'd have one team and so you can kind of get everything done all at once together and certain things are true for both spots. This is it's two different jobs basically at the same time. But so basically we're in the middle of a long meeting and it, there was a 10 minute conversation in Russian where finally I realized, oh, there's a slight misunderstanding, and if it had been in English, I would have said, well, we'll just scoot that cabinet six inches. Right. And, and once I kind of stepped in and was like, hey, is this what we're talking about? Here's the solution. They were like, oh, you're right, and moved on. But like, I, because I can't process all of the things that are happening all at once in those circumstances, it, it makes it a little harder to implement easy solutions when there are some you know well let me ask you a little bit like about the role of a director as seen in kind of that moscow system like how much involvement did you have in the set build for instance um i was very involved yeah i was very involved uh less in the actual construction but uh, i had sketchups i had him bring paint swatches and um, examples of like the floor samples and all of that stuff. And to be honest, a lot of that has to do with the fact that the agency really likes to be involved with those things as well. And so um, it's not just me that needs to be a part of those conversations. Um, but also, like with any commercial, and maybe more with this one where the agency is local um, and has worked with a lot of these people before, they're they're very involved with what their decisions what they what they want to see on screen basically and what feels premium or what a russian would think relative to what an american would think and um so so in that way it's very um specific frankly because it's a build also you can pick every single aspect of it you know we're we're literally like we're we're looking at paint we're looking at materials we're looking at the floor we're like picking out the cabinets, we're picking out the tiles, we're picking out every single piece of furniture. Are there windows you know, with like scratch. translates and stuff? Yes. Yeah, we picked the backlight for the translate. And a translate, for those that don't know, is just like a gigantic printed picture of a city that you put outside of a set window 
I think the company is called Translight, but I think the name comes from the idea that you can light it from behind. It's semi-transparent. And whether it's a night scene or a daytime scene, it glows and it has that feeling of mm-hmm. being exterior. I mean, as long as you don't get too close to it and hopefully it's out of focus and all of that. Right, junk. right, right. And usually you'll have like a greens team, like the people in the art department with the plants and stuff, putting things closer to the window so you don't notice you kind of the transfer a little bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But they're kind of one of the coolest parts of a soundstage because it's literally like a hundred foot wide picture yeah of a city or something ours is 36 meters yeah like 100 more than 100 feet that's cool have you ever done a set build this big um not this big no even for whiskas it was uh maybe as many rooms but on a much smaller scale right right yeah 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 it was more rooms but we could they were small enough that i would be flopping them you know so we would kind of bounce back and forth between the two builds and so do you feel like that money is going farther in russia like is it is it that you have a bigger budget that you get to do this big of a set build or that it's just like in russia like i've heard in other countries like in china like people you know getting like a hundred people to do something isn't nearly as hard as it is in the u.s you know it's it's um a little hard for me to tell because um Budgets haven't been a big topic of conversation, you know, like they haven't. The only time we've been like, oh, we can't, we don't have the money to do this is when it's like, well, should we bring 30 dresses to the fitting? They're like, no, right, because that's, that's too many, you know. Um, but otherwise, it, there have been considerations here and there. But for the most part, it's been pretty open. And it's, it's a little hard for me to tell why that is exactly but um but i think it's probably a combination of labor being maybe a little bit cheaper and also it being you know a big enough brand and a a big enough campaign that you know they're used to spending it i think a little bit more right and are these like do they do 30 second tv spots there is that the same format as us so what's funny about these is that they are digital and so i've got a 20 second spot and a 30 second spot and a five second spot I've actually recently, you know, I've done some like regional TV broadcast spots and they needed to come in at 24 seconds because they have a six second dealer card. Oh, interesting. So it's like, let's say it's a something that, you know, they're selling in a few different regions. Like sure. it's, a, it's, it's a, a car commercial. Spot. Yeah. 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 The last yeah. six seconds will be like two ninety nine a month at, you know, Chevy yeah. Hills Honda. Well, so and when are you, when is your shoot? How many days from now? It's two days from now, basically. Okay. So I have a pre-PM and recce tomorrow, and then a pre-PM. Day is that a pre-production sorry, sorry, meeting? Sorry. So yeah, yeah, yeah. PPM they call pre-production meetings, but we had pre-PPMs and pre-pre-PPMs, which was kind of a new thing for me because uh, we had to just kind of get so many things in line and um, aligned with the agency before we present to clients. So the PPM is here. We are. This is the plan. Everyone loves it. We're all so excited. This is how it's going to go down to the letter. Basically. Joke in Russian. Everyone laughs except for Matt. Matt smiles. You know, to be honest, the PPM, which is almost always my favorite meeting, was the only one that was 100% in English, and it definitely went the best for me. And I was like, oh, I knew every single thing that was said in this meeting. <laughs> right. No wonder I enjoyed it. What are you presenting at these meetings? Like the sets, the cast? Mm-hmm. The, the whole thing, yeah. So, so in this case, we did a pre PPM because we needed the the cast to be pre approved so that our um, actors could actually get to know the cats. Um, because anything you can do to make 
the cats feel at ease in advance of the shoot, especially if they're going to be acting opposite someone, is valuable so that um, there's just a one less variable to worry about, basically. So we introduced the cats to the actors earlier in the day, so we had a earlier uh, production meeting with a client just to talk about the cast. But otherwise, normally you go through the cast, you go through the storyboards, I walk through every single beat, they tell me what they like and maybe what they're a little apprehensive about and make sure that um, the product shot looks great and the voiceover's timed out right and all of that stuff. And then we go through every single prop, we go through artist mock-ups of all of the sets, we go through any of the specific actuals that we have pulled and then um and when you mean when you say that you mean like here's a couch that we um are renting here's the couch that we've selected a photo yeah, exactly yeah correct and wardrobe yeah. yeah and parking for the client there's not so much conversation about parking or things like that also because the client in this case typically isn't used to going because it's um Oftentimes they're shooting in other locations, but because this one is here in Moscow, they're um, they're planning on coming to the set for kind of the first time, I think, for them in a while. So they're very excited. Oh, cool. And the parking isn't an issue because most people are traveling around in uh, Rocketeer jetpacks, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a thing people don't talk about here, but, like, everyone can fly and, like, we're all just, like, drunk on vodka and caviar. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm very familiar with that. <laughs> okay, so any are you excited? What's what else? I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think through all of the things that are unique and different. I think like it's been more meetings, but you know, I think I think that's been a bit of a comfort and it's funny is that the archetypes of the people who work at these places all are relatively consistent. Like the personality type that becomes an EP or becomes a coordinator or, you know, any other crew position, they are relatively consistent. There's a type to them, you know. And so um, whether you're in Russia or somewhere else, um, you kind of have a shorthand with people in that way. And also the production companies and the agencies and all of these places, they're all still very familiar. So like the production company is still in a cool industrial space and it's got some funky props from previous shoots and there's a couple cute dogs walking around and there's a funky, you know, sofa and there's a ping pong table. Yeah, I get it. A... They copy the production design from like the latest episode of Ally McBeal or whatever just came <laughs> out over there, right? You know what is for real though? A lot of their bathrooms are uh, mixed sex. So you just go into the water closet and there's just a bunch of stalls, just like an Allie McBeal. And frankly, I think it's a better system. Cool. Good to know. Well, so you are working with a new DP. You've never worked with him before. And he is from England? Is that that is correct, yes. Yeah, but we have been pals for a while. Okay. So, so we knew each other before that. We'd kind of interviewed on a few jobs. We'd gotten a couple of coffees together. Um, but he has worked in Moscow a handful of times. Okay, so is that helpful? Um, I think it was mostly helpful in selling him to everybody else. And I think that, you know, look, I've shot in New York a handful of times or Atlanta a handful of times. Does that mean that I'm going to be able to call in favors for Atlanta crew or New York crew? Like, maybe, maybe not. But, like, for the most part... Well, not favors. You know, um, just knowing how things work in a different place makes yeah, a difference, yeah, especially yes. on the technical side. Like, even in England versus 
the U.S., um, there's a difference between like who all is handling like the lights and the grip equipment and how things sure, break that down. Is true. And even yeah, titles. yeah, that's true. That's true. There is a slight difference in that way, but for the most part, it's just like, hey, let's make sure these certain crew members speak like really fluent English. Yeah, and then you, <laughs> right. you know that's that's kind of the gist in a lot of ways. I think it's more like, are you used to travel? You know, I think that's kind of the the bigger question in general. So, like, if you've shot in Moscow, do I think you could do a great job shooting in Japan? Yeah, probably. You know, like I think there are people who have a knack for you know breaking down language barriers or a quick study on the key terminology that you need, you know, like whenever you're traveling, it's always handy to have a few phrases, right? And there are oftentimes you can buy a little map that's got the key phrases on there for you. Well, are you guys shooting on any sort of crazy Russian lenses? We are not, no, we're shooting on, uh, I think like Zeiss or something standard, something that you're like, oh, Master Primes. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think so. Uh, but we are shooting on Phantom, which will be exciting. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, for the whole thing? Uh, for one of the spots, the majority of it will be Phantom. Oh, cool. Like super slow-mo? Super slow-mo, yeah, because it's a shot. It's basically as if a cat is an airplane as it jumps onto a bed. Um, so, yeah, we're uh, we're shooting, I think, probably in the neighborhood of 600 frames a second. So not it's not cranking on a, um, a Phantom the way that you could. It's not totally putting it through its paces, but it, it's faster than an Alexa would shoot. That's cool. Yeah. And it's cool you get to have a fire on set. I had to shoot last week, and I wanted to have a candle. And they were like, no. Yeah, fun when it's like, <laughs> you know, like everyone's lit a candle before. Yeah. It's, it's like if we had $0, there would be 100 candles here. But because we yeah. have a little bit of a budget, <laughs> we are not allowed to do anything. I mean, people are allowed to smoke right outside the stage, but... You can't have like a tiny candle on. Right, right. Or lit. Uh, well, I want to read you an email I got four days ago. Oh, good. Yeah, please. <clears throat> Hi, Oren. My name is Irene Timlina. I produce and represent directors for Russia and Ukraine. You were recommended by David Ward, a listener and friend of ours. Uh, wanted to send you the board for Kazakhstan, but to be shot in Kiev with Kiev Production Company. You're the absolute perfect fit for this, and I would like to present you for this tomorrow if you're going to give me the green light. Shoot sometime mid-February. The job is going to be crazy. shot in Ukraine. Can you kindly let me know if you're interested ASAP? So I have an answer f from you in the morning or so. Here are the boards. Looking forward to hearing from you. Then I get an email from David Ward. Uh -huh. uh, this sounds like it's going to get spiral into insanity, but it doesn't. I apologize. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the way you're building this up. <laughs> he writes, hey, dude, I had a random person reach out to me through my website about directing work in Russia and Ukraine. Uh, I looked them up and found they're in LinkedIn with the same website listed and checked out their website, and it does seem legit. Uh, I checked out the boards, their VFX heavy superhero stuff that I'm not really a good fit for, but I gave her your website. So if someone reached out from Russia, that's why. And then he said, is this a normal occurrence? Have you heard of any directors doing commercial work in Russia? <laughs> and he said that he asked her that, and she wrote back saying, there's a huge demand in comedy and comic directors for majority of clients. Um, and then David says, just trying to figure out if it's a real directing opportunity or someone trying to harvest my organs. So I tell Irene, like, yeah, you know, I'm willing to listen. And the boards are pretty insane. After we basically talk about the rate and all that stuff, she says, oh, she says to me, what do you think of representation in Russia? It's a massive market with same chain of international clients and a lot of work. I mean, if Anonymous does not claim that territory and you're on your own to decide. 
which I already had told her that I'm not with them commercially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, then she says, would be cool if you could be on my site and then exposed to all Russian agencies and production companies. Your style of work is very much what the market itself now is hungry for. So all should be great. Um, so <laughs> the reason I bring this up. <laughs> I is, can't listen everyone at home. This is the first Ornish brought. We haven't talked very much. So this is in, incredible, incredible. Well, right. Experience. I want to save this it for the podcast <laughs> because the That's last podcast good. we recorded, you said something along the lines of, I was just like flabbergasted by how you got this job directing these cat food commercials in Russia. I, like David, also suspected foul play here. And uh, you said... <laughs> you, you were sure I was going to get my organs harvested. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you said, well, you know, people like randomly reach out to you and email you about jobs sometimes. And I said, no, that absolutely never happens to me. And this is just insane. And then lo and behold, a few days later, I get that email. So <laughs> anyway, you are the guinea pig for shooting in that part of the world. Uh, yeah. So if you make it back alive, then I'll say I'm interested. Well, unless the plane crashes, crashes or something, I'm going to make it back alive. Oh, yeah, and Kara then said, myself. my wife is like, don't they just like randomly shoot planes down out of the sky over there? I was like, <laughs> it just happened once. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think because, you know, I've thought about it a lot, obviously. Like I traveled here with my wife. You know, there is a lot of anxiety. My parents were, I think you know, worried, right? And to me, it feels like, and maybe this is an oversimplification, but it feels like if you're, you know, traveling to, like if you were traveling from Russia to the United States and you were afraid of, you were afraid of an earthquake, uh, you know, a big hole opening up and, you know, your building falling into the ground because Los Angeles is where earthquakes are, it's not that you shouldn't be afraid of that because that is a legitimate thing that does actually sort of happen. You know, my wife lived through the Northridge quake of 94. You know, uh, earthquakes are real and they're dangerous and they're not to be taken lightly, but it's not like that's a thing you need to actively be vigilant against in the same way. And so Moscow is, from what I can tell, a pretty safe city. It's very metropolitan, you know, and How's the food? Uh, so this is interesting, actually. So the U.S. dollar is pretty strong right now. And so it doesn't cost much to go out to eat. And you still have an, a per diem that's in U.S. dollars. So, like, you know, uh, you have, like, more money than I think you would typically spend on yourself per day out, right? Um, plus, uh, oftentimes, food is taken care of you. Like, when you're at a meeting or something like that, they just put out some food and you kind of just have at it. So, and because my wife is here and the evenings are when we mostly have our free time, we'll go out to a nice dinner. So we went to uh, White Rabbit, which is um, the 15th best restaurant in the world. Yeah, I think I've heard of it. It's a, There's a chef's table episode on it. And the episode is quite good, actually. But it's like, you know, you're dining on the top of a skyscraper with this giant atrium and, you know, you're having all sorts of crazy food and it's by this world-class chef and the all of that so you know that's like the peak that's you know arguably the very best restaurant in russia and you're spending two hundred dollars for the two of you which is a lot of money but not for the best meal of your life right right um and but then there's a lot of other very high class 
Right, but um, in terms of the food itself, like, are you, you, there's a ton of options for you and stuff. Um, so I, uh, it, it is a, a little tricky. The, as a vegetarian, it is tricky. So I have been eating fish. Mm. Um, and it's and delicious, it is, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, so is steak. That, that, <laughs> that's never been the question. It's not, is meat good? It's like, is it moral? <laughs> so it's the harder part. So, um, I've been, I've been eating fish when I have to. Um, but, but what's weird is that we've been eating at fancy restaurants and it's kind of hard to find a more casual place, frankly. Like the casual places are maybe a little, they're less English friendly or aren't around as much. And so we don't really have the chance to like, like I don't have a kitchen or anything. I'd rather just like make myself some oatmeal right? than go to Cafe Pushkin right. or wherever, you know? Yeah, I've been to like, I've never been to Russia, but I've been to a few like Russian birthday parties in the mm-hmm. U.S. and they are <laughs> have the most insane food spreads, like at like kind of true Russian restaurants. Mm-hmm. Like they're just bringing unlimited amounts of like g- entire like, fish and sure and like a lot of dumplings and, caviar and, and yeah. Ca- yeah yeah. Do you feel um, like there's a big separation between like the wealthy people and the poor people? It's hard. To, it's hard to tell because everyone's bundled up, so you can tell if a rich lady is walking by in like furs, you know. But mm-hmm. also, um, culturally, it's like a very opulent style right now. You know, the malls are very blinged out. It's like you're in Beverly Hills all over the place, right? Like diamond so, encrusted things, but that like crazy sunglasses and. Uh, well, not the sunglasses because there's not enough sun to need to block oh, it out right. right now. You know, we're getting um, like six or eight hours of sunlight, something like that. And it's up, it's pretty cloudy most of the time as well. Today was sunny, but, you know, it still snows most days also. But also, again, it's, it's like hard to tell because everyone's bundled up and things. And when you're with an ad agency, they are cool looking. They're right. not um, They're like the hip. flashy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're hip and young and like have cool taste and things. So, what do you think about this Ukraine job, though? Are you gonna? I told her I'm interested. I told her my rate, which uh, I set to be pretty much the same thing you told your people. And uh, (laughs) she was like, oh, that's kind of too much. And I was like, well, make me like a counteroffer. And she did. And it was not that much less. And so um, I was like, yeah, let's go with that. And then I haven't heard since then that was like two days ago it is i mean do you guys have weekends and stuff over there yes we don't yeah every people aren't working on the weekends necessarily i i worked through the weekend because of uh scheduling issues basically but yeah for the most part people are taking their weekends and there's an 11 hour delay so right. oftentimes you're getting emails either your team is staying up extra late to respond like it's almost midnight right now for me so most of your waking hours you know, you'll probably wake up to an email the next morning, basically. Right. It's probably nice to wake up. Like, oh, I have all these great emails and not just yeah. like Pond5 telling me about their new footage. <laughs> you I should check do. out that footage, though. It's probably pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, cool. I had, um, yeah. I have not a lot of great updates. Yeah. So Let's hear ones. them, though. Usually I would yeah. just tell Matt this um, personally, but now I'm just going to say I'm on the podcast for no good reason. <laughs> I shot some promos for a Showtime show. That has a new season coming up. Oh, that's very cool. How did that go? Uh, it was really fun. We had uh, three actors from the show, and we shot 
a promo with each of them and they're going to be on TV. That's pretty excellent. How did that happen? It was with this company that does a lot of promo, like EPK stuff, and they Mm -hmm. don't do a lot of scripted stuff. Mm -hmm. And there was a producer at the company that had worked with me before. And when they were looking for a director, they didn't know a ton of like scripted directors. Right. Um, And one of the actors that we had to shoot was in North Carolina. So they needed two crews. So the producer that usually kind of directs things had to go there. And so they needed someone to run the show here. But I still like made the shot list for all, for both Mm -hmm. shoots and did all that stuff. Um, Yeah, it was cool. They had like, I hired no one. They had like a DP already. I got hired on a Sunday night for a shoot on Tuesday. Um, Yeah, cool though, man. That's awesome. And so, yeah, it was really fun. And they paid me to, you know, to be in on the edit, which usually is something I have to beg Mm -hmm. to be involved Mm -hmm. with. So, but it's funny because when I was there for the edit, they like just referred to me as a creative producer and not Mm -hmm. the director. On set, it was like, they call me the director, but I think because they come from more of like this unscripted docu-style world, Mm -hmm. they uh, have different titles. So anyway, that makes sense. And then in other news, uh, not nearly as exciting as the way I said that. is, you know, we talked about wanting to join the DGA this year, and I'm up for two jobs right now. They're both crazy long shots, and I'm 99% chance I will get neither one of them, but they're both DGA jobs. Yeah, man. And Congratulations. I kind of had to, like, weasel my way into being up for them. Um, Are they through your reps, or how did you get these? No, neither one is through my reps. Though I did mention to my commercial <clears throat> company, the famous group, that I want to I wanna try to get into the DGA but did you know that it, there's a different rate for commercial directing than there is for film and TV? Yeah, it's a little cheaper for commercials, and then it's prorated. So if you join the commer- uh, film or TV, then you're not paying the full rate of the TV. Oh, right. um, but the, it's yeah. literally so it's, it's like nice thirty five hundred for commercials and like twelve thousand for film. And yeah, TV. So yeah, exactly. So, so you difference. get well, yeah, but you get thirty five hundred off if you have already if you're in as a commercial, commercial director. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So both of them, I was like, hey, I will pay to join, you know, if I get the job. Um, and I believe that one is a commercial and one is a, not a commercial, like a digital show. And um, Oh, nice, man. That's exciting. I, both of them, basically, my rate would just probably cover, cover. the yeah, yeah. joining. Um, but anyway, so we'll see. I mean, like I said, they're both long shots. Um, well, still, fingers crossed, man. It's like kind of this combination of like, the people they want not being available and me being like on the list, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so, which is kind of what I'm hoping for, but who knows? Yeah, Maybe I'll be in goes. Kiev directing water <laughs> commercials, superhero themed water commercials. Uh, you never know. Yeah, what a wild ride. Yeah. Well, Cool. So when are you coming back? I feel like you've been gone for years. It feels like I've been gone. I've been gone for a week, but I, I went to Palm Springs slightly before that. So that's part of it. I'll be back. Uh, uh, basically in February, be back on the 30th. Um, well, should we, uh, finish this off with, uh, before we get to unpaid endorsements, maybe we'll read an iTunes review. Yeah, let's do it. We've got a handful. Thanks everyone for all of these wonderful new iTunes reviews. Uh, Jendraz says, Orin and Matt are both very open about their own experiences and ask the kind of questions that an aspiring director wants to hear. Listening to their enthusiastic discussions really motivates me to get back to work. <laughs> um, I, I'm excited that uh, Jandras thinks that we are enthusiastic. That feels good. Yeah. 2019. We're done, yeah. With, done with being bummed. Mopey? Yeah. <laughs> love it. Love it. 
Awesome. Well, Jade Kai has something similar to say. Jade says, Orin and Matt are not only fun to listen to, they share a breadth of experience and knowledge that only come from those deep in the trenches and fighting the good fight. An incredible resource to filmmakers looking to be inspired to just shoot it. They also have an awesome network of guests, friends, and colleagues all willing to share their experience with the listeners. A must listen. Ah, thanks, Jade. That's really nice. I will admit that I do believe I know who Jade Kai is. Oh, I see. I think well, it might be a, a friend of ours that does listen to the podcast. Good. Thanks, Jade. But when Extra he or out. she says they have a network of guests and friends that are amazing, then uh, she is one of them. Um, you know, it's it's funny because I feel like uh, it's maybe a little more touching when a friend decides to listen. Because if you're friends with us and you hear us talk all the time and it's just like easier to roll your eyes at us like when you're a little bit removed from our small circle then i think that it maybe makes the show a little bit more fun to listen to so yeah uh thanks for putting up with our bullshit jade cool well so finally we have a message from zach dalton love getting insight from these directors perfect for working filmmakers trying to navigate their journey through commercial and other work and zach also just followed me on instagram i noticed so oh there you go mega fan uh just kidding. But thanks, Zach. That's awesome. Uh, I, obviously, most of our listeners are filmmakers, but it's exciting when they just talk about it because, you know, part of the show is about, like, directors just trying to talk to other directors and that camaraderie, whether it's you and me or, like, people in the rest of the world, is pretty exciting for me. Yeah. So thanks, yeah, Zach. Good. Thanks, everyone. Please do us a favor. If you want to hear your uh, review read out loud on the show, um, we do our best to keep up with them. Go to Just Shoot It on iTunes and leave a review. It really does genuinely help the show grow. It is the thing that helps recommend our show to other people who would most likely like it. So do us a favor. Cool. And we have a bunch of listener questions that we will answer in a future episode. So don't think we forgot about you, listener question Forget people. And please, yeah, email us more of your thoughts and questions. And it's it's really awesome to hear the feedback. Yeah. And also, wow. you could always leave us a voicemail. At 2626-SHOOT-1. Uh, it's really especially cool to hear your voices on the show. Yeah, you can. And you can uh, support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash justshootapod. You can uh, buy my wife's new novel. I'm just kidding. She doesn't have it. Oh, man. I'd love to read your wife's new novel. <laughs> That'd be um, great. There's this really annoying character named Goren. Named Smat. Smat <laughs> Menlo. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's uh, maybe jump into some unpaid endorsements. Unpaid endorsements. Have we talked about VPNs before? No, we haven't actually. Yeah, so there's a bazillion VPNs. I just signed up for one called Nord VPN, N O R D VPN, because my friend <laughs> uses it. Uh, I don't know if it's any better or any worse than any other VPN, but it's pretty cheap it was like a hundred bucks for three years of access and what it does is it lets you connect to the internet from wherever you want to pretend to be from so let's say you were in russia and wanted to watch american netflix and it told you that you can't watch netflix in from that country you can use the vpn to log into netflix through a u.s server um, so it's kind of like spoofing the system i mean a little hacking if you were doing illegal things on the internet uh, i would highly recommend you use a vpn um but it's it just kind of lets you access things like if i want to watch israeli videos or something that are only supposed to air in israel i could use a vpn to watch them anyway 
use them at, at your own risk. They're, I mean, not that there's anything really too sketchy about them, but there are sketchy people that use them. So. Sure, sure. Uh, I mean, there's also good reasons to use it, like, uh, say, wanting to guarantee that you can access your Gmail uh, in an area where it's not accessible, for instance. Oh, for sure. And even if you, you pay for Netflix and you happen to be in Russia, you should... I think still be able to watch Netflix, even though it won't pipe into Russia. So you can, um, I I can watch Netflix. We just watched uh, that episode of Chef's Table, actually. But um, there are regional differences in terms of what is licensed here. So, like for instance, we subscribe. Like we want, wanted to watch uh, the new episode of The Good Place, um, but that even though we were on Hulu, which is where we normally watch it, or on Amazon, we could watch it either place. Uh, normally, because it's not here in Russia yet, it wasn't accessible to us. So right. a VPN would help me route my Amazon uh, through the U.S., for instance, so that you could watch it easier. Yeah, totally. Well, so what do you got? So mine actually is uh, thematically tied. Phil Rosenthal, who is the host of uh, Somebody Feed Phil um, mm-hmm. and the creator of Everybody Loves Raymond. And also the creator of a documentary, Exporting Raymond, right? Or something like exactly. that? Exactly. That's my endorsement, is Exporting Raymond. It's a movie, it's a documentary about him go, traveling to Russia to uh, adapt Everybody Loves Raymond for a Russian audience because um, they had a lot of success adapting The Nanny and a few other American shows. And Russia tended to be the keystone of a domino effect of other countries beginning to adapt those shows. So if Russia likes Everybody Loves Raymond, then Poland's going to call and all sorts of other countries are going to call. And I think uh, it's about Phil coming to Russia and trying to take his philosophies and ideas about the way comedy works and the way universe universal themes work and adapt that to uh, Russian sensibility and it's great and um, I never expected to relate to a documentary about adapting something to Russia so much but it was uh, especially enjoyable and comforting for us to watch oh cool um, yeah I really uh, wanted to see it where did you watch it on Amazon yeah oh cool we rented it on Amazon and it, it's a total delight you know it's like it it's rough around the edges it's clearly just like you know, a few people with cameras, but um, it's got the Phil sense of humor. We like somebody feed Phil. So like we were already kind of uh, prone to like Phil and get this. He stays in the same hotel we are staying in, in Russia. Oh, wow. The one hotel Americans are allowed to stay in. (laughs) No, there's a bunch of like very fancy ones. And this one is not bad at all, but it is not iconic it's not the ritz or the four seasons or something or the hotel ukraine i guess is like a big one right it's not one of the big opulent ones it's just like a regular you know one of the a nice holiday inn or something you know there's nothing crazy about it Um, so it was really funny to see him in the lobby that we go through every day right that's awesome just uh, on that tip there i don't know if you know but iran uh had adapted modern family for the for their country (laughs) Uh-huh. And the gay couple is obviously not a gay couple in, uh-huh. in their version, but it's like everything else is exactly the same. Like it's almost a shot for shot remake. Well, let's wrap things up. If you want to give us some feedback, please send us an email at justshootapod at gmail.com. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash justshootapod, which I desperately owe a newsletter to, and I will send that out this week. If you want to 
follow me. I'm on Instagram at OKaplan, right? And or I, Orin Kaplan. You're OKaplan. You got it right. And I'm at Mr. Matt Enlow. You can follow the podcast ever, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We would love to hear from you. And yeah, this episode was produced by Madeline Rosewatt. It was edited by Jay McAuliffe. And our webmaster, who I actually met in person all the way from Australia, is Ewan Williams. And he is a lovely person. I'm so jealous. Yeah. And the music you're listening to is from the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazar. And we will catch you next week. Thanks, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.